Welcome to From the Ground Up, a podcast about small business funding, entrepreneurship, and current events that influence them. Powered by Tenant Financial Group. Hello, everyone, and welcome to From the Ground Up. I'm David Martin, and along with my co-host, Derek Skogsberg, we're excited about today's guest. Today's guest is the Senior Vice President of Gulf Coast Small Business Lending, Jim Fry. In his role as a small business development officer, he works closely with both entrepreneurs and referral sources to assess and structure the financial requirements of small businesses throughout the continental United States. Gulf Coast takes a consultative, value-added approach in working with borrowers to structure a customized financing package to fit the unique needs of each business. We're excited to have Jim on the show. Jim and Derek are going to kind of get down in the weeds about what's going on in that space in 2021. And I'm going to kind of chime in when I can to help translate some of their technical speak and kind of keep this show interesting. We appreciate you being on the show today, Jim. Give us some background about what's going on with you and what have you been up to? Yeah, well, thank you for having me, gentlemen. So real quick, you know, for 10, 12 years, I, I was involved in a family business. My father started it and wholesale in general, but long story short, back in the 90s, I, I ran it myself for a number of years. I actually got my own SBA loan line of credit back there. It was all paperwork. Nothing was done by computer, so that was interesting. So, you know, having been a business owner and having gone through a form of SBA lending myself, it, it was an interesting perspective. Then in uh, 2004 is when I was hired by PNC to be an SBA lender, and I've been doing it ever since. So I really enjoy the variety. I enjoy helping people day-to-day everything's different yeah jim that's for sure i've been in this business you know close to 20 years now and over that time you know we've seen 9 11 happen we've seen the financial crisis of 08 we've seen covid in 20 so a lot of market cycles a lot of iterations both up and down you know so much has now changed from even a year ago in how we processed sba loans and and how we interacted with customers can you kind of rewind the tape for us for maybe the past 12 months and give us a sense for how this seismic shift, you know, affected the bank and affected, you know, how you do deals? Sure. You know, in general, the reason why a bank uses SBA is because they guarantee part of the loan. So it makes a bank maybe more willing to take a risk on certain deals. So that's the main difference between an SBA loan and a conventional loan. It also extends terms and makes the down payment lower and things like that. So that helps any business anytime. But more specifically, during these times, SBA is more helpful because, you know, there's a lot of struggling businesses out there. There are people that have left regular employment, so to speak, to start a business or buy a business. So that helps. And, of course, separate kind of program in SBA has been the PPP process that we've all heard about. So that's helped people, to some degree, get through this this COVID downturn and help them get money in for their employees as well. So it's been actually quite profitable for some banks because of all this lending, SBA 7A and PPP and all that stuff. So it's been good, I think, in general, helpful to all. Yeah, I agree. One drawback, I think, really through, you know, the PPP loan process and the EIDL process has been the slowdown, really, that it's caused in, in traditional, you know, commercial lending. Can you talk a little bit about how those other programs have affected, you know, really the downstream effect in traditional, you know, SBA lending? I think 
a lot of the conventional programs, the non-SBA programs have, have kind of been on hold or they're much more conservative. We see a lot of banks pulling back for different reasons, and it makes sense. They're very cautious. It's such an uncertain time. We didn't know what was happening when it first started, and the vaccine looks promising, but really, when does that roll out? So a lot of people have been have had a tough time getting lending existing businesses, trying to expand or just survive, and certainly new people trying to get in the market for different reasons. So the SBA has helped those transactions happen. Either it's just simply working capital, lines of credit have helped. There's a variety of things how it's SBA certainly is there. It's not always the ideal perfect program. It is the government sometimes. You have to jump through some hoops. You know, anyone's dealt with the IRS or something like that, you know there's some documents and, and, and processes that could be better. That is sometimes true with the SBA, but what it offers is a benefit, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I think broadly and generally that's true. I mean, we, we've seen nothing but good things on balance come out of all of the programs that, that the SBA has come out with. And thankfully they did. You know, it's a bit of uh, finding our footprints in the sand here in 2021. It resembles in my mind a, a lot of 2009. Uh, the one difference being the liquidity of banks and their desire to, you know, lend to small business and specifically small business startups just go around. But this isn't our first dance. And really, it's amazing how it's occurred within really a 15-year period here where we can actually remember the things we did in 2009 and relive some of those moments in our mind and, and in our businesses. And and as I've watched 2020 and, and even now into 21 kind of unfold in front of my eyes, I'm seeing a lot of the same things. We're capitalizing a lot of businesses right now that are more service-based. Uh, we're beginning to get into you know some inline space and, and the freestanding units aren't far behind. And so we're going to kind of see this thing come back to life and how it's going to do so relative to, you know, commercial space is is very, very interesting and reminiscent of, of 2009. Can you talk about historically, I don't know where you were in 2009, if you were doing the same things you're doing now or not, but are there any corollaries in your mind to uh, what, we, what we've experienced before? Yes, I think so. You know, you see uh, a couple things, you know, so there were a lot of, unfortunately, you know, in 2009, people lost their jobs or they were underemployed. So some of those people from corporate America, so to speak, went into you know either starting a franchise, starting their own independent business, or acquiring an existing business. And you know, some used SBA loans from that, some used some of the Rob's rollovers, like from your company, et cetera. So that, that was a big change, people shifting, and that almost always happens in, in recessions. There was a lot of uncertainty too. That was a huge kind of downturn on you know, the whole mortgage industry was totally different. So people were like asking what what happens next? Where are we going? So for a period of time, it was uncertain, very much like we're now. I also see that valuation firms and banks are trying to figure out as they look back on the 2020 on the numbers, how do we value things? How do we understand things? So it's almost also like, you know, I do some loans in Florida and places where they get hit by hurricanes. So if you look at financials, for businesses during COVID, you know, definitely through March, through June or some of that period, you know, there's a big downturn naturally because the nation kind of shut down. So if you look at hurricanes, when they hit Florida, those businesses have a similar downturn, you know, for a couple months while the hurricane hit and then they have to rebuild, et cetera. So we're kind of, and valuation firms are, are sort of looking at those, you know, historically to learn from. It's interesting. Is it typical, 
you know, I, I don't want to get too technical here. Are the guidelines kind of the same? So if, if I was going to buy an existing business in Florida or, or really anywhere for that matter, is it just a matter of, you know, looking back at historical tax returns, say the prior three years of tax returns on that target business to get a sense for its ability to service new debt? Yeah, so kind of a couple problems on answer. So yes, we do look back on historical records. And then normally just you look back three years and then kind of get a general idea they call it pro forma rejections, where you're going ahead. But with 2020 COVID, that's really been skewed because, again, March through June or, or whatever it varies by industry, there's a big downturn. So how do you look at that? How do you take that? in? So now people are looking at 2019 and kind of await 2020 and then trying to take projections in, you know, where are we going? Because there are some firms that are benefiting from this. I just financed a, an HVAC company. They do a lot of schools and government agencies. And the CDC now has guidelines where they want more filtration systems and et cetera, et cetera. So they'll get more business because of this for years and years to come. So their business is better. Obviously, that helps. There's a PPPE firm that makes masks and, and things, and, and obviously they're doing better. So there are some industries, home improvement, you know, everyone's doing something at home. A lot of those industries are improving. So we really have to understand the industry, the business, and the niche. It, before we can just make a decision what to use, really. That brings up an interesting point. You know, when a lot of our audiences are entrepreneurs and they're they're always kind of looking on the horizon about, you know, new opportunities, I'm sure some of these things resonate with them. But if you were talking to an entrepreneur from a tips on looking at a particular business, what is something that an entrepreneur questions, maybe two or three questions they might ask about a particular opportunity that might help them gain clarity in this environment of funding about whether it's a good option or not a good option? It's kind of a general thing, but really understand the industry and the niche. Part of the SBA loan process on all loans, we have a COVID questionnaire. There's, I think it's seven or eight questions, I forget, but we really have to ask mostly the seller, you know, how was business affected? What expenses changed? You know, did you hire or let go employees? So there's certain questions there, simple things, just saying, you know, how did it affect it? How will it affect it going ahead? What is the business model? Is it COVID friendly? You know, that we hear lots of things, you know, people with. It's a whole new phrase, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, redirecting business, we hear all kinds of phrases like that now. So how have these, you know, restaurants, the eat-in concept is not working now, but a lot of those that have drive-through and pickups are, are working. There's, there's a coffee franchise out west that is doing very well. They're kind of like a, a less expensive Starbucks, and they have drive-through. So things like that, you know, restaurants, pizza places that were mediocre before are doing better because of delivery and pickups. So other industries, there's advantages and disadvantages in COVID now. So ask those questions, really understand it going ahead, because there's uncertainty. We don't know how long it's going to take to return to normal. Yeah, it's really interesting, you know, not being in the industry that you guys are, kind of being a more on the higher level, kind of understanding it, but not too deeply. The reality is, is that investors and banks and people who lend money are asking these same questions of the businesses that an entrepreneur might bring to the table to discuss. So it's insightful to think about, you know, when you're looking at a business opportunity or exploring an idea around the dinner table about what might be a fun thing to get into because you're sick of grinding it out at the office or, or now at your home office or you want to keep it that way, 
lending institutions are asking some of these same questions about viability. And that's insightful. I don't think people even really understand some of these questions that people ask. Right. Well, I'll jump in and just say that, you know, so many of the, uh, the, at least on the franchise side of the ledger, Tenant Financial Group, you know, we finance all kinds of businesses, not just franchises, but on the franchise side of the ledger here in our office, what we found is that the public gathering franchises where large numbers of people might be gathered in a confined space, those have been devastated. Now, they're coming back for sure, but your entertainment facilities, your haircut salons, your your nail and eyelash salons, those kinds of places have really taken a hit through this COVID environment we've all lived through. But thankfully, that's starting to change. We're seeing so much of that uh, on the rebound. But that was one outflow or outfall, I should say, of the whole COVID experience on the lending side here at Tenant Financial Group. Is that kind of what you saw, Jim, or, or something different? That's definitely. We see some of the hair hair salons and things like that coming back, but it's still not, you know, 100% back to normal. But, but the restaurant comments, yes, we, you know, not a lot of banks do restaurants. We've always done them. And we've even, you know, in November, December, I financed, I think, two startup restaurants and one or two business acquisitions of restaurants. So we're still doing them, but they, again, they have to fit that COVID model, so to speak, going forward. Well, let's dive off into the weeds here a little bit and hopefully uh, not lose too many people. I know that the economic aid is different today in this uh, lending world that we're living through. Can we talk about guarantees, fees? Can we talk about the rates at which banks are guaranteed on the outstanding principal balance of loans historically and now under the new rules that we're all living by? Can you kind of frame that up for us, Jim, and give us a sense for the way it used to be and the way it is now and why that matters? Yes, B.A., there's lots of details and get pretty dry. So in brief, again, why use SBA over a conventional loan? The SBA itself guarantees the loan. The bank provides the money, but the SBA provides a guarantee. Typically, it was 75% on most loans. So if the loan were to default, the SBA would pay up to 75% back to the bank. So it's kind of like an insurance policy, so to speak. But now with the new economic aid package, it's 90% in most cases. So that Theoretically, banks are maybe taking better or bigger risks in some cases or, or more willing to lend in some cases. So that's good. The SBA provides longer terms. Instead of a five or seven year loan with conventional, it provides 10 years. For real estate, maybe it's 15, 20 years. But with SBA, it goes longer, 25 years. So that makes the monthly payments lower. Usually the uh, prepayment penalties are lower. So it's more friendly to the entrepreneur. Also, the other advantages with this new economic stimulus that came out. So there was an SBA fee before. It's almost like a one-time insurance payment. That SBA fee used to go into the SBA. And if a loan defaulted, that's where the money came from. But with the stimulus, that's been waived. So on a million-dollar loan, that could be you know, $20,000, $30,000. That's huge. Now people are putting that into working capital or we're reducing the loan by that amount. They kind of have that choice now. Uh, just approved one yesterday. It was $800,000. 20-some thousand dollars being reduced. He's going to put on a working capital. So when he buys that business, it's more money in his pocket. That's amazing. One of the most intriguing things we hear so much about, and you know, our consultants all around the country uh, talk to uh, clients about day in and day out, is this six-month period of principal and interest 
payments. Uh, can you talk about that? What does that mean? If I'm somebody looking to buy, you know, a hair salon or any kind of a franchise really, or business for that matter. And I come in and I say, Hey, I want to do this SBA loan. I've heard some things about a six month, something's going on for the first six months. What is that? And why does that matter? Yep. That's a great offering. So in short, when a loan gets approved by the bank for an SBA loan, they get what's called a PLP number. Long story short, it's an approval number by the SBA. It's assigned that. So anytime a loan is approved from February 1st, which we're already passed, through September 30th of this year, they're eligible for that. Now, there's kind of another stipulation. So if you're just acquiring a business, they call that fully funding. You know, when you close the loan, you acquire the business, it's just one transaction. Money goes to the seller generally. So that's, that's a fully funded loan. Now, if it's a construction loan, a startup, that's one thing, you know, if someone's considering a startup loan that's going to have some construction, you know, some leasehold improvements, some remodeling, don't wait too long because there's multiple fundings there. So on the initial loan closing, you get some money, but like anyone who built a house, you get multiple funding to pay the contractor as the progress goes. So that's multiple funding. So the last funding, you know, when you finally get the the final build and everything's okay, the checklist is fine, and you can open your business, that final funding has to happen before September 30th to get the six months. So if that happens in either case, then they have six months. It's not a deferment. The SBA is actually going to pay six months of the loan payments up to $9,000 a month. You have a bigger loan. You have to take care of that yourself. This covers, you know, I think it's over 75% of SBA loans are underneath that amount. So you get free six months, basically. So it's a wonderful time to buy or start a business, really. Yeah, it's really almost unprecedented. I don't know over the past 20 years that I've been doing this that I've ever seen or or heard of anything like that. So it's a great incentive. You know, banks are incentivized at 90% guarantee rate. That says, hey, the bank is incentivized to lend. So they've got some incentive here. And, And truly, from the borrower's perspective, given this first six months of principal and interest payments, they've got an incentive to buy. So it's really a perfect environment as far as as that goes from a policy perspective. Let's talk a little bit about what Tenant Financial Group does what and how we work with you at Gulf Coast. The, we've done a number of deals. Many of those are blended capitalization deals. We see that all the time where people use you know some portion of their retirement plan dollars to satisfy the equity injection requirements of the loan. Is that something you know you see at the bank on your side? I know it is in the deals we work together, but is that something you see more or less of today? Talk to us about trend lines. Talk to us about the frequency in which you see that and how that strengthens an overall loan package. Yeah, so working with people like Tenant where there's a rollover, you know, they're using some retirement funds, that's a strength. And I see that more and more, whether it's a startup or an acquisition. One big sticking point with banks and the SBA is we want the borrower, the franchisee, whoever it is, to have adequate liquidity. So even after they, they do the deal. So what I mean is, we look at their personal financial statement. That's a big thing on any deal. Assets, liabilities, how much cash does the person have? How much liquidity do they have? And how much will they have after the loan? So they have to put some equity injection or down payment, same thing. So X number of dollars before and how much will they have after? We want them to have liquidity. And what the rollover Rob's program really helps do is the retirement is not counted as as liquidity. It's not really cash in the mind of a bank or SBA. So with the rollover, it brings that money out into being liquidity without the tax event and penalty. So it's it's a great thing. So that money makes them more liquid. And without it, 
a lot of people would not qualify as candidates. So that's a good thing. So they can use it as a down payment. It's a great advantage, I think. And, you know, you don't get that tax penalty and you don't get the ordinary income penalties. We like it. We do it all the time. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, this has been super informative. You know, our tenant's motto is to really help people make good financial decisions and guide them through this complicated process. And most importantly, and this is, you know, on point with what we've revealed just on this show is there's so many changes. There's so many things that are happening, opportunities and incentives and new things that the government's rolling out almost seemingly monthly. And there's a lot of opportunities for folks to really take the leap and jump into their own business and small business ownership. So it's exciting. I've been around this space for, you know, 15, 20 years and, and have never seen some of the opportunities that you just talked through with these guarantees and with, you know, loan payments and just, it's really powerful and it's an exciting time, a little stressful, but it's an exciting time too. The purpose of this show has from the very inception is to help people kind of grow businesses from the ground up, right? That's how we got our name. And also to be an educational resource about how do you navigate this process? How do you find your way? It's through relationships like your bank and through Tenant Financial and having smart people who know how to help people make these good decisions. So we really appreciate your time today on the show. We appreciate you taking the time to... Um, Share some of your insights and what you've seen throughout the last, you know, 12, 18 months. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. You know, I really get, I've done it so long. I really enjoy seeing people succeed and, and do better. So thank you. Thanks again, Jim. Listen to our audience. We really appreciate you guys. We're grateful for you. We we're into a whole nother year of, of having this podcast running, and we're just so excited about the opportunity to put out good information. We appreciate the feedback that you guys give us. We welcome that feedback. If you have any show ideas, if you have any topics that you'd like us to cover, please let us know. You can find more shows at all of the podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google. There's lots of places that you can find out. And if you have anything or comments, you, you're welcome to comment there and, and uh, subscribe to that show. Thanks again for joining us on From the Gound Up podcast. We appreciate everybody. Have a good day.